Welcome to the Wrestling House Show. My name is Chris, and welcome back to my series of mini-episodes covering New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Japan Cup 2018. If this is your first time listening to one of these mini-episodes on Wrestling House Show, which you can find on cnjradio.com, go check out night one of the New Japan Cup and get caught up, because this is a single elimination tournament, and four men have already progressed to the second round. In the first round, on the first night, we saw Juice Robinson and Michael Elgin go on to round number two. And on night two, we saw Hiroshi Tanahashi and Bad Luck Fale go on to the next round. And tonight, there will be two more tournament matches. In the first round, we will see Yoshihashi versus Kota Ibushi. And the main event of the night, something that I've really been looking forward to, was Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr., and yeah, I that on paper, that's a great match, and I've watched it, and it was a great match in the ring as well. But before we get to the matches, as always, I'm going to give you the stats for the night. Tonight's show is covering one event in New Japan Pro Wrestling, which took place on March 11th, 2018 at 4 p.m. Japanese Standard Time. Night 3 of the New Japan Cup took place at the BCOM General Gymnasium in Amagasaki, Japan, and the attendance for the show was 4,311. There were eight matches on tonight's show. Match 1 started off, it was a Young Lions match, it was Ren Narita teaming up with Tetsuhiro Yagi versus Tomoyuki Oka, and the one veteran of this match was Yuji Nagata. And I think as far as Young Lions matches go, this was fine. I did like the, I had talked on the previous episode, I believe it was, about how I liked seeing the way that Yuji Nagata and David Finley interact with the Young Lions and kind of taking them under their wing and maybe not showing them the ropes in the ring in the match at the time, but still being supportive of them and what they did in the ring and, and looking out for them. And I think not only did I see that in this match, but I also saw Nagata give a lot to the Young Lions. Um, it started out with Narita and Oka kind of doing some mat wrestling, things like that. And it was fine. It was good. And then they both tagged out and Tetsuhiro Yagi ended up in there with Yuji Nagata. And Nagata pretty much ruled the ring for the next few minutes. He basically took on both of his opponents, Narita and Yagi. Yagi and Narita actually did get an advantage on Nagata at one point, And that's what I was talking about, where he's giving them quite a bit in the ring they did a double team actually a double team like a sequence on Nagata and were dominating the match for for a while but then Nagata did actually tag out after getting getting control of the match once again and it was Oka and Rin Narita who finished off the match Oka didn't do a whole lot in this match but Oka did get the submission in the match he made Rin Narita submit to a Boston Crab in the middle of the ring that leads right into match number two which was another Young Lions match it was Shota Umino, who it looks like they have a lot of high hopes for. After, like, Kitamura, who isn't on this tour, it doesn't look like, uh, Umino it seems like the next guy that's probably going to break out up to the to the next level. He faced one half of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions and member of Suzuki-Goon, El Desperado. And it was interesting, a lot of the Suzuki-Goon members didn't have seconds at ringside during this show. So El Desperado was out there on his own against Umino, and it went about like you would expect. Umino did not get much in the way of offense. He did get a little bit here and there. I think he kind of surprised Desperado at times, but that was towards the center of the match. Book ending Umino's little bit of offense, his spurt of offense in the middle, was pretty much Desperado just completely having fun with him and destroying Umino in the ring. And there wasn't even a whole lot of brawling. He was just 
stretching him. I think he went after his leg for a while. Towards the end of the match, he put him in a Juchi Gatame, and then he ended up winning by submission with Numero Dos, which is his version of a stretch muffler. So yes, El Desperado with an easy victory over Shota Umino in a, another pretty good match. But that leads right into match number three. It was an eight-man tag team match. It was Bullet Club versus, I guess, kind of a, a mishmash of other people. If this was stardom, it would be World Selection was who Bullet Club was facing. But on the Bullet Club side, we had Tungaloa, who is one of the six-man tag team champions, and another six-man tag team champion, Badlock Fale, who did progress in the tournament. Those two teaming up with Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi with, once again, the lovely Peter. They were facing the random sort of team of Toa Hanare, David Finley, Juice Robinson, and Michael Elgin. And I think the most interesting part of this match is that Juice Robinson and Michael Elgin will be opponents in round two of the New Japan Cup. And they usually like to put those people on different sides of these tag team matches, but they actually had to team up and there was no drama. They teamed fine. <laughs> and I don't really have much to say about this match. It was it was okay. It was fine. I didn't mind it, but I think... Like Michael Elgin, he had some spectacular moments the previous two nights. In this match, he did fine. He looked good. But there wasn't anything that I can point to and say, like, wow, like, that was pretty crazy. And same goes with Juice Robinson and David Finley and that whole team. Uh, Toa Hanare did spend a lot of time in the ring. And with a lot of these matches, the youngest of these people or the most rookie of these people is probably going to get end up getting pinned or submitted. And that happened here. Tongaloa did pin Toa Hanare after an over-the-shoulder sit-out reverse pile driver. But moving right along into match number four is a six-man tag team match. It is the other half of the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, teaming up with the killer elite squad of Davey Boy Smith Jr. and Lance Archer versus members of Chaos, Toru Yano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Hiroki Goto, who is the never openweight champion. And this is a good match. So far in the night, this was probably the best match of the night. It was one of the most striking things that I saw in this was just how gigantic Lance Archer is. Uh, of course, he did his water spit thing, which, you know, I, <laughs> the funniest thing happened on the previous night where he spit in that kid's hat. But there was one guy, there's one like older Japanese gentleman sitting almost at ringside when Archer was spitting all over the place and he was like picking something up off the ground. And there's this one Japanese man sitting there kind of hunched over, arms crossed, staring straight ahead. He was like not giving Archer any looks. He was just like ignoring him, hoping he'd go away. That was pretty funny. But in the ring, Lance Archer was facing off against Ishii in a good part of the match and Ishii is a big guy. He's a big dude. And when he's in there with a lot of other people, he he may not be the taller of the men, but he's usually at least as tall and way more wide. But when he's in there with Lance Archer, Archer made him look tiny. It was so strange because I don't really think about it like that. I guess when you see these gigantic men in there with other gigantic men, you don't really get that sense of scale. But the difference between Archer and Ishii was just really striking to me in this match. So with that, it was a lot of Ishii taking a beating from Archer and Davy Boy Smith. And so it was that build up for Ishii to get the offense against these two guys. Ishii did get Archer up into his brain buster. It looks kind of like a suplex to me, but they call it a brain buster, which is one of his signature moves. And that was really impressive because he, he was doing this suplex and like this 
he held him up there for a good long while too on this guy that he looks like he's twice as tall as him at times. And the Killer Elite Squad did kind of, they really showed their dominance in this match. And Kanemaru kind of seemed, I know they're all Suzuki-Goon members, but the but Smith and Archer aren't with the rest of the group as much. So those two didn't seem like a normal team with Yoshinobu Kanemaru. But they still worked well enough together because Kanemaru is like a junior heavyweight and these guys are gigantic. At one point, they did pick up Kanemaru and dropped him down onto uh, Toru Yano when he was in the ring. And that was that was pretty fun. But the match did end up, as is the case in every Toru Yano match, he can win with any kind of dirty trick just really quickly. That's what happened. Toru Yanu pinned Yoshinobu Kanemaru after a low blow. So that's it's it was a Yano match in the end, which, you know, that's fine. I mean, the match didn't really mean much anyway. Moving along to match number five. Again, Suzuki-Goon members Taichi and Takashi Izuka. They faced off against Ryusuke Taguchi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. And I think this was pretty good. I liked the previous match a little bit more. It was a Suzuki-Goon match, and even though Taichi doesn't seem to brawl quite as much as he used to, he's still using weapons and things, and of course Izuka is just an insane man. So there was a fair amount of brawling, but I thought it was interesting that they seemed to continue the deal between Taichi and Tanahashi. Even though Tanahashi beat Taichi and Tanahashi's moved on in the tournament and Taichi is out, they still seem to kind of play on that. So I think it looks like if they continue this way, there's going to be another singles match in the future for those two guys, which I'm totally fine with. I, I like the two of them together. They had a really good match. But in the match, it did seem like Taguchi took the brunt of most of the action, which I guess that makes sense. If Tanahashi is still favoring his knee and his, his cumulative injuries over the past year or so, then it makes sense that Taguchi would take a lot of the damage from the other team. And in the end, Taichi did pin Taguchi after a super kick and a little bit of cheating from Izuka. Izuka ran in with his his metal spike thing that he has, and he like, hit Taguchi in the head or throat or something like that. And then Taichi super kicked him, and that was the end of it. And this was another match that I really didn't have... A whole lot to say, actually. I didn't write a whole lot of notes down in it because nothing struck me as like really spectacular. I think the thing that it accomplished the most was keeping that Tai Chi versus Tanahashi feud in my mind. And it did kind of make me want to see more. The only thing, and I was disappointed, maybe it was the fact that Miho Abe was not out there with Tai Chi. Maybe that's why I didn't pay attention to this match as much as I might have otherwise. And then finally, the last tag team match of the night, a two-on-two match Members of Los Ingobernables de Japón, Bushi, and one half of the IWGP Tag Team Champions, Sanada, versus two members of Chaos, Chucky T and Kazuchika Okada, who is, of course, as always, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion, and of course, as always, Gato was there with Okada. I did like this match. I think the team of Okada and Chucky e. T was interesting. And I know, I mean, Chucky e. T is in the tournament. He has a tournament match tomorrow night against Sonata, I believe. But he spent a lot of the early part of the match. I think this actually was like half and half. I think Chucky e. T 
was in there for half the match for his team. And then Okada got the tag, was was in there for the second half of the match for his team. And that was the only tag I think they made. So the LIJ members did better as a cohesive tag team tagging in and out and double teaming. And that's kind of what happened to Chucky e. T. He got overwhelmed by Bushi and Sonata. And I think once he tagged out and Okada tagged in, I think the match worked a little bit better in Chaos's favor. Actually, I know it did. Okada is the champ, and he's the champ for a reason. And I think he was better in the ring on his own, with Chucky e. T kind of running interference outside the ring, kind of keeping the cheating at a minimum, and when he needed to run into the ring to make the save or to block off the other member of LIJ whenever he needed to, even though they didn't necessarily work as a tag-in-and-out like partner kind of team, Okada and Chucky e. T didn't, they worked as a team in a different way, and I think it worked really well. And it worked well enough for Okada to get the victory. He forced Bushi to submit to a Cobra Clutch, which congratulations to the champ. I guess they were saving Chucky e. T and Sonata for the tournament match. They didn't want either one of them to get the pin on either one. And Okada's not going to lose, so Bushi was the guy that had to take it this time. But speaking of the New Japan Cup tournament, the last two matches of the night, as always, are two of the tournament matches. This is still the first round. Half of the first round is done. We're about to get three quarters of the way finished after these two matches. The first tournament match of the night was Kota Ibushi versus Yoshihashi. And of course, like most people, I am a Kota Ibushi fan. I think he's great. And this match did go on quite a long time. It... I think it surprised me a little, because I didn't expect a whole lot out of Yoshihashi. I think at this point for Yoshihashi, he seems like one of those guys that does well, but I'm never looking really forward to a match that he's in, necessarily, unless someone else is in it that I'm looking forward to seeing. And that was kind of the case with this one. I expected Kota Ibushi to win, and I expected it to be pretty one-sided. It wasn't necessarily one-sided, but Ibushi did win the match. He finally got the pinfall on Yoshihashi after uh, Kamigoye, his uh, wrist lock knee strike. But up to that point, it was it was questionable because Yoshihashi was actually getting a whole lot of really good offense and it was really entertaining. And of course, that was to have Ibushi kick out a number of times and to make his victory seem like he really overcame something, which it did seem like he did. And similar to his tag match that he had recently with Bullet Club, uh, Ibushi dove off the wall that separated the floor from the second level of seats, did a moonsault off of that on the Yoshihashi, and that's really when the match started to pick up quite a bit. When they got back in the ring, they were trading like really, really hard strikes, and Yoshihashi seemed to get the better of a lot of those. Uh, Ibushi would eventually go down after a lot of those striking sequences, and Yoshihashi did hit a whole lot of moves leading up to the end, which built the built the tension in the crowd, and everybody started to buzz a little bit more. And then finally, Kamigoye was hit by Kota Ibushi to get the victory. So yeah, expected, but still a really good match. It was, I guess, kind of like the Yujiro Takahashi versus Juice Robinson match. I wasn't expecting a whole lot, but I ended up really quite enjoying the match. And then the main event of the night, the match that I was really looking forward to and have been looking forward to for a while, it was the leader of LIJ, Tetsuya Naito, versus Zack Sabre Jr. with Taka Michinoku in his corner. And Taka had nothing to do with this match. He didn't do anything except for build up Zack Sabre Jr. on the mic before and after the match. But Zack Sabre Jr. is one of those guys that 
He really does seem like kind of a jerk, and I think it's great. And it works because of the way he wrestles. He's very mean when he goes for all of his submissions. He tries to tie people up, not just to win, but to hurt them. And he's always looking for another angle. He's looking for an arm to grab to pull away from the ropes. Or or another angle, if I can put my leg under this over here, it'll make him hurt a lot more. And maybe it'll make him tap out quicker. And I love that because he does a lot of moves that I don't know how to call them. I don't know what to call them. Like, I'll skip to the end. Zack Sabre Jr. did win this match. Zack Sabre Jr. beat Tetsuya Naito, which is... Pretty surprising to me. I mean, I guess I should have seen it since the way they've been building Zack Sabre Jr. with Taka Michinoku and everything else. But to see Naito submit to Zack Sabre Jr. was still a surprise. Sabre had Naito tied up in the middle of the ring. It was like he had a stretch muffler. He had Naito's left leg over his own neck. And he was lying backwards on the mat. And so that his legs were grapevined around Naito's other leg and he would alternately stretch that leg as far out as he could or he would kind of bend it in and figure for his own leg so he was putting pressure on the knee so he's stretching Naito's groin muscles while also stretching his knee while leaning back and Naito has nowhere to go like he can't roll over because Saber is crossways in the ring he can't roll there's nowhere for him to go so it's one of those great submissions where even if Naito wasn't hurting too terribly he just had to give up because there was nothing he could do and a lot of the match the match started back up a little bit the match started with Naito doing his usual kind of thing it was it was funny because he wore his like white tearaway pants and his his like white jacket to the ring and as he's slowly undressing uh Red Shoes Uno the referee actually grabbed Naito's belt and pulled it out of his pants like come on hurry up and Naito didn't even react the crowd laughed but Naito didn't even react to it but he did the thing where he would go in for a lockup and then jump back before it happened. And like, wait, calm down. Like, don't don't worry about it and walk around the ring a little more. So Sabre did get a little bit... It looked like he got annoyed, but he never seemed rattled, which I really like about Sabre. But after a certain point in the match, Sabre really did start to dominate. And it was kind of a... It was a series of different holds and submissions. And a lot of what the match felt like was... Can Naito survive long enough to hit Destino or another big move or a couple of big moves? Because that's kind of another thing with Saber is that he is an amazing technician and he will wrap you up and hurt you. But he's in there. He's almost always in there with a bigger guy. And if that bigger guy can get one big move, Saber might be out for the match. So it's there's a lot of tension. And it's one of those things where any of his matches can turn at any moment and that's really what I, I really one of the things I really like about Sabre's matches and this match was great I loved it it's my favorite match of the tournament so far Zack Sabre Jr. defeated Naito and he's going on to face Kota Ibushi in the second round but I think I'll wrap it up there it was a good night I think if you've been wondering if you want to watch the new Japan Cup definitely watch the tournament matches and definitely watch tonight's show I think the Ibushi-Yoshihashi match was really good, but I think the Zack Sabre Jr. versus Tetsuya Naito match was pretty great. I would definitely recommend that. Of course, you can find it on New Japan World if you sign up there. And you can find this show and all of the many episodes covering the entirety of NJPW's New Japan Cup 2018 on cnjradio.com. 
the home of the Wrestling House Show, as well as the family of CNJ Radio Network podcast, including Rock Strikes 10, hosted by Joey, always guaranteed to give you 10 songs, no more, no less, The Synaptic, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative, and of course, my last theater on the left. So go check all those out at cnjradio.com. Contact us through Facebook and Twitter, linked on the .com, and I'll see you tomorrow night for the end of the first round of the New Japan Cup 2018. Bye.